Coming up on today's episode of the Real Lives Podcast. The difference in like the growth mindset and the kind of the, the stagnant mindset of like, oh, I'm just going to kind of do my day to day and just kind of see where it goes. Right. No, it's like you got to attack, man. Like I essentially I got to the point where I was ready to embrace the suck of rehab and being alone. And, you know, while my friends are gone and, and just being totally honest and candid with myself where I was you know, with my life, you know, you could fixate on the, on the end goal, right? The, the destination, but in reality, it's really just loving the journey. And then no matter what the destination ends up being, you could say I grew from that journey, but all I can control is my attitude and my effort. And when I have that level of accountability to myself, then anything is possible. Back on the podcast for a second time, I have on Elliot Markson. Elliot is a man of many talents. He's a bobsled athlete, a former college football athlete. He is also a sports diplomat and recently has started to get himself into content creation. Now, the last time I had Elliot on was, I think it was April of 2023. And the conversation we had was essentially just about his career and where he's gotten to up to this point. Um, And recently, Elliot went through a hip surgery, so he's out for the season. So I thought it'd be interesting to get him on to talk a bit about his hip injury and sort of what he's doing for the rehab process and stuff. And the conversation ended up being pretty much 5% about that. And the rest of it was just about like, there's a whole load of things. Like we were speaking about, you know, how isolation can really help you grow as a person. So like books to start reading. You know, we were talking about his, like how he's treating this time of isolation for his rehab as just a period of growth and we then get on to different things like we talk about you know finding your passions and why you should pursue them as much as you possibly can and how you should those things that you love you know go after them relentlessly and talking about different principles in life like ikigai and misogi and you know doing hard things and pushing yourself and really getting outside of your comfort zone this you know it's a bit of a I wouldn't say self-improvement podcast episode, like I don't like to use that term, but it was a really, really fun one to do with him, Um, just to chat rather than like have to, you know, back and forth interview Q&A kind of thing. And yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation with him. So you can find all his links down in the description below. And um, also please remember to like, subscribe, share the podcast, also rate it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and that because, you know want to reach broader audiences and I can't really do that if you lot don't start rating this podcast because so far with five stars on both Apple and Spotify which is brilliant but yeah a little bit more from you would be fantastic uh, so yeah hope you enjoy this episode with Elliot and go show him some love by following him on Instagram and stuff like that so enjoy this episode with, episode with Elliot. Elliot welcome back mate good to see you Um, just yeah welcome back and just tell everyone again who you are and what you do. Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, my name's Elliot Markison. I'm, uh, I live in the United States. I'm from Mississippi, which is the southern part of the U.S. Not many people know about. Uh, I'm a former college, SEC football player, college football player, turned Team USA bobsled athlete. And then I work in uh, international sport, essentially in sport diplomacy. And it's kind of my kind of my life. So, yeah. Everything sport. I love it. Um, but, yeah, you – so – Obviously, you're a f- well, full-time athlete and full-time work, and you've been trying to balance that for the past couple of years, and you've, I mean, you've been doing a pretty good job of it, to be fair. But you've recently had hip surgery, and that's sort of thrown a complete spanner in the work. So talk me through that. What happened there? Man, it was kind of a... It was, it, 
it was a long time coming, something that I probably should have addressed a long time ago, but being a former football player and just kind of this blue collar mindset of, you know, I'll just kind of tough through it until, you know, it's just part of it, you know, no pain, no gain. Right. So it got to the point where I couldn't even sit, you know, for more than an hour, or, you know, a plane ride was just brutal, man. Like I couldn't, I, my poor girlfriend would just get so sick of me whining about <laughs> how bad my hip hurt and couldn't, it got to the point where I couldn't push the sled, couldn't train properly and got it checked out this summer. I was like, during my summer off-season training, I, I, like, blew it out to the point where, like, couldn't sleep at night. Um, and I finally, you know, met with our team doctors. I was like, man, I need to get an MRI. I need to get checked out. And then came back, and they're like, yeah, man, you have a torn labrum. Um, so walk, it was, like, a six-month process to go through, like, initial kind of pre-screening rehab. And then surgery was essentially the only answer um, to address it now. And had surgery right after Christmas, flew down to Florida, the University of Florida, um, had a great staff that took care of me, and I got in, and, you know, I got out, and, and the doctor's looking at me, and he goes, man, that was only supposed to be a couple hours, and it turned into over three, because it was, it was so bad, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, for me, you know, like, you don't want to hear that, but for me, it was kind of validating, I was like, yeah, like, I was in some pretty good pain, and he was like, man, your, your hip, it, it's been about six years worth of degeneration in there. And so he said, there's a little bit of permanent damage, but he got me, you know, sutured back together and, and, and he shaved off part of the bone. The surgeon did of my femur and uh, yeah, we're back in action. And he's like, you might need a hip replacement when you're in your forties, but we'll cross that, cross that bridge when we get there. <laughs> it's I mean, man in the arena, fun. right? Like it's, it's, it's the cost. It's the cost of, of, of playing the game. So yeah, hopefully by the time you are 40 and you may need a hip replacement, they'll be so good that it's basically like just having a complete new hip that's fully functioning, <laughs> no limitations whatsoever. So I've got my fingers crossed that's right. there, Christ. But yeah, I'm interested yeah, that's in... That's right. So the you, you whole the whole process is obviously quite... It's it's, it's intense because you... you you know, Like there you've said, you, you've been suffering for six years and it's gotten to a point got to a point where it was just unbearable and i had so i've had a similar issue so back in august of last year i had surgery on my knee because years and years of degeneration basically i was i was born with what's called bipartite patella so my patella didn't fuse properly when i was a kid and became like two parts so you had like the big kneecap and then a floating bit and that floating bit was mobile. So what would happen was it would, with all like running and football and stuff, it would basically, it was rubbing against the tendons and ligaments on the outside of the knee. And what would it would then cause is a tightening of those. And it got to a point where going up and down the stairs, I was like, I can't, I can't do this. I had to get lifts. And every, I was like, there's no way. And then I went in for an MRI and she was like, yeah, you need, she was like, we need to remove it. So they basically just went in, removed the bone but they also had to sort of cauterize through the tendons and ligaments because they become so tight. And she was like, yeah, oh. that, she was like, you couldn't have been like the fact, cause I'd been running up until about, I think four months before surgery. She was like, you shouldn't have been running on that. And it's just, but you, you're unaware, <laughs> aren't you? How bad it is. You kind of just, you kind of just go, it'll go eventually. And it just doesn't. Right. Right. You just kind of tell yourself that's like, you know, what? Well, it's just a little pain. You know, everyone's got pain. And, and then I, I, I went through the spiral of like, you know, everyone's dealing with something. No one wants to hear me whine about it anymore. And then like you, it's like, you get to the point where you're like, I can't even do anything. So I need to get it, 
get it looked at. <laughs> yeah. So for yeah, you, man, for that's yourself, crazy. How, how have you found um, that that initial sort of five weeks of rehab? Obviously, having to completely taper off everything and rebuild from the ground up, build that, build those foundations again. Yeah, man, it's actually been really good. Um, I would say it's reintroduced balance back into my life. Uh, this past year, you know, going through kind of a, a, a pretty big career change with my life and then bobsledding. And this allowed me to kind of take a step back, kind of focus on my work, focus on the things I'm building outside of work. Um, and really just kind of refocus, right? Um, but rehab-wise, it's been really kind of minimalistic right now, just passive range of motion stuff. I bought a portable sauna sitting next to me, and I just – I work. I, I do rehab twice a day. I sauna, and um, thankfully where I live in D.C. Um, – I moved to D.C. since our last call. And um, our apartment building, there's a full gym upstairs. There's a big grocery store right below us, so it's – it's ideal. it's the perfect perfect yeah it's ideal i don't ever have to leave um but the first the first three weeks in the hip brace that that sucked man like sleeping in a hip brace that's that's not fun and just kind of breaking out breaking up that scar tissue getting the getting the the joint moving again the first couple of days on the bike were pretty uh they're pretty rough but it feels good now and and it's just slowly getting better every day and then i in November, when I was in Lake Placid doing our, you know, preseason competition and sliding, I broke my toe. Um, and so that was like a whole thing, right? Like, I, and then I, and then the next month, I, I broke my toe, pretty much shattered it. And then in December, I go and compete on it in Utah. And I remember being back in D.C. before I left and our team doctors were like, Ellie, you need to get cleared. You know, we need to see an x-ray that says like, at least your toe is, you know, straight so we can clear you to compete in Utah. So I go to a, like an urgent care here at DC doctor gets an x-ray and he comes back and he goes, man, your, your toe's still broken. And I never showed him the original x-ray that I got. And I was like, listen, man, I know, I know, but what I need you to tell me <laughs> is it healing and is it straight? Like, is it set? And he, he goes, I can show you the x-ray and so he showed it to me i'm like it's perfect i need you to sign this and he signed it grabbed the x-ray and i walked out and i was like i don't need any more from you i just need you to tell me it's okay but that was nice. yeah that was uh that was that was <laughs> yeah, it was just, fun that was a fun one yeah you, you're asking you're asking for issues there, like jesus christ but the so from the sur from the surgery you know, what I liked what you said there is it helped to bring balance back into your life. And that's one thing I noticed as well, because everything's so go, go, go. And then all of a sudden when you're forced to stop and, you know, you're not, you can't really walk, you can't really get anywhere. It's a lot of just doing the basics over again. You, you begin to realize that like, Christ, I was completely out of balance. Whether that be like, you know, for you, it might be you spending so much time on the sport and training that you weren't focusing on like your career or like you said, the content stuff that you want to be doing for yourself. And so how's, how's your mindset shifted as a result of that? Man, just going forward this next year, just really emphasizing that balance bit. Um, it's just, you know, there's there, you tow that fine line of, in, in elite athletics of like, fully you fully commit to what you're doing right you don't just kind of half-ass 
you know, <laughs> doing what you do. But at the same time, it's like for your own mental health and well-being, it's like you also got to be doing the things outside of the sport that, you know, fill your cup up. So when you get back into the athletic bit, right, like you, you're, you feel fulfilled, right? So it's not – you're not just draining yourself with the – with the monotony of training and, and just the adversity that you face day to day in athletics. Um, and I, you know, my teammates and my girlfriend, they, they, they probably get sick of me saying that, but it's, it's the same thing. It's like, how do you find balance in your life? What are you passionate about? What, uh, what gets you up in the morning? That's not just your sport, right? Like who do you want to be? What kind of impact do you want to have? Right. And some people, it's it's hard to answer that question because it, it requires a lot of self-reflection. And for some people, it's hard to self-reflect. It's hard for me. And I found journaling helps a lot. Uh, man, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts uh, and, and, read, and read a lot. And it's just, it helps, man. It's, it's kind of that holistic approach to being a better athlete, a better man, a better friend, better teammate, better boyfriend, right? It's, it's kind of all, all encompassing. Yeah. It, I, yeah. I really like what you said there, though, really because like it relates to a concept, I'm not sure if you'll have heard of it, called Ikigai. It's an j- old Japanese concept. Mm. Are you aware of it? I, yeah, I've so, heard it before. Yeah, so just, just to run down for people who are listening, it's basically, it's the intersection of what you're good at, what you love to do, um, what the world needs and what you can get paid to do. And the principle is that everyone in the world has an ikigai no matter how big or small for some people it might be running a company that's a multi-billion dollar company like apple and for others it might be you know selling vegetables that they've grown in the garden at a market down the street it can be as simple as that and it's literally like i got this literally got this tattoo on monday and it represents ikigai because it's like a japanese cherry blossom and it was for me a reminder of you know we all have that thing so for me it's like because usually i wear my watch on this wrist i can't right now because it's healing but it's like when I wear my watch and I'm doing like my sports, so whether I'm running, hiking, in the gym, what have you, and I'm looking at the watch, that's there as like, you know, this is this is what you want to work towards. This is what you want to create kind of thing. And it's, it is very hard for people to reflect on that and to reflect on what actually they do want in terms of for the life that they can build over time to be their main soul thing rather than just a side thing, like say for me, the podcast or the, you know, my, my active stuff that I do as well, if that makes sense. Right, absolutely, right, absolutely. And it's like, it, it's challenging people to find what, it, what that is for them, right? And, and what, what, is, what is their, what do they want to like dedicate their life to? Like, what is their meaning, you know? And, and I like to look at, I like to look at phases of life, like different mountains and peaks that you climb, right? You know, right now for me, bobsled is that peak. It's that mountain that I'm climbing. And then when it's done, inevitably, everything will end. When that's done, it's like, okay, what's the next thing to climb, right? And then if you don't have that balance, if you don't have that that thing that, that kind of grounds you, right, then you just kind of get lost of, of chasing things all the time, right? And, and yeah, finding that whatever that, that creative outlet is along the way, I mean, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the goal. Do you, do you think that's what you're, you want to do after, well, because you can do that now during your career, especially with what you're doing, it's great, great content, but do you think content creation is what you want to do? And if so, what specifically do you want to focus on with that? 
Yeah, man, I, I'm big. Since we last spoke, you know, I transferred into kind of this career sport diplomacy, which is this kind of overcompassing kind of idea that uh, we use sports as a way to, as like a soft diplomatic power to, to bring countries and nations together. And for me specifically, American football is, is my passion. It was something I was born into. My dad was a coach. Um, and then now kind of getting into that field of like, you know, once, once Bob Sud's over, like I really want to jump into, you know, expanding the game internationally, you know, traveling more, doing football clinics overseas, uh, you know, coaching, consulting. Uh, and, and for me, like that's kind of uncharted territory. There is no like clear path for that. And I think that's kind of that creative bit and the content creation bit of, you know, it's, it's an adventure. And, um, just kind of telling that story and, and, and building it from there. But yeah. And then too, you know, like I said, I love to travel. So, you know, building, you know, travel content on, on the side of that as well. So yeah, I, I have a lot of ideas for sure, for sure. Yeah. It's a thing though, isn't it? Because obviously you've, you've got so many things going on. It's trying to make the time to focus on creating the content. Like for me, when I, while I was in Albania over the weekend, a lot of that time I spent just banking content because I was like I've got this idea I've got this idea this idea and this idea and I've like because I've created like a separate Instagram which is more focused towards like being just being active the, the the goal of it is just to get people outside and get people active because I think like so I don't so when we spoke last and I was doing my PhD was doing it on trans people and what I noticed in right. the trans population is that they are severely inactive they don't have hobbies mm. and they don't do things like they, they kind of, I used to ask like, Oh, what do you do? You know, like just a bit of conversation for like, Oh, what do you get up to in your spare time? They'd be like, not nothing. I watch Netflix. I'm like, that can't be a hobby. That should like, that right. shouldn't be a hobby. That, like that should never ever be someone's answer to what do you do in your spare time? Like, and that's right. like what I want to build with it. So being in Albania, I was like, what can I film? So I was like, Hiking Mount Karab, I'll go film that. Going for a run around Tirana, film that. Like going to Lake Baville and how you get there and doing all that, like that kind of thing. And then for you, right. like obviously I think, because sports diplomacy is a very, I'd say it's a very new, very niche thing. I don't, like a lot of people, mm-hmm. if you probably said sports diplomacy to them, they'd be like, what the fuck? So yeah. it, <laughs> it, I think it's a really interesting one that you you could focus on because you can really get into the, like deeper details of what it is how it helps people how it helps like you know these lower economically developed communities um and all those different things and i think it'd be really interesting to see more of that from you going forward yeah absolutely it's something i want to tap into and kind of tell that story i kind of have like this idea me and in a buddy that i worked with in china he lives in new zealand right now he's kind of a he's a big videographer Um, and him and I kind of have this idea that we want to essentially do a pilot series and pick, you know, five sports in five unique countries and show up, do everything around those sports that aren't in America. Right. So like a good idea would be like, like Japanese sumo wrestling, right? Like show up for a week, go to a Japanese sumo Academy, go to some matches, live with the athletes follow them, shadow them, and then try to do the sport with them, right? Like, and I, I think that would be unique content. And then, you know, if it's that or going to India for the biggest cricket match in the in, in the country, right, and showing up or, or, you know, coming to England for, you know, <laughs> like a Millwall versus West Ham match, right, at Millwall. <laughs> 
think that's yeah. I think that's kind of on my dude, I'm telling you that's on my bucket list. I tell all my friends in the UK now. I kind of joke with them and I'm like I want to be a bandwagon Millwall fan and just cuz how crazy it and yeah, just show yeah, up wow. to a Millwall home game, home match and and they'll be like who's this American guy here? <laughs> Honestly, like the the sport's crazy. I went to so I went to a Wrexham Stockport game which is in the fit fourth tier of English football sold out 10,000 fans and it the atmosphere was booming people were bouncing <laughs> singing for 90 minutes like Wrexham got beat 5-1 and all the Stockport for County fans were singing for the last like 30 minutes of the game you're fucking shit you're fucking shit the entire last the <laughs> last 30 minutes that's all they were saying I was like I'm so here for this like it's there's it, 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 something about the sport where you don't get it in any like when I was over in Australia and I went to the AFL. You don't get it in that. It's very right. I don't know. Like the way I would describe it is Americanized. Everything's very sort of civilized in the stadium. You know, you have fans integrated yep. with one another. But like English football, everyone's separated all the time. It ca- you can't be together. <laughs> it's just it's riots basically. <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah. And like, you don't get, I mean, there's, you might get that atmosphere at maybe like a couple MLS team home matches, like Atlanta United's pretty good. But other than that, you're not going to, you're not going to get that. It's just, and for, for what it is, is like, it's just the historical context of English football teams, man. Like you guys, like you pick your team and you hate everybody else. Like that's, that's, that's it, man. Like that's it's cool. I mean, it's it's unique. It's part of the culture of the sport, right? Some people might disagree, but you know, for me, it's like that's what makes the environment, right? And then just kind of tying in that whole idea with essentially, you know, the the uh, the spirit of the Olympics, right? Bringing different nations together. Um, you see it now with bigger events. You know, obviously the, the the Super Bowls this weekend. It's gonna be a huge deal here in the United States and internationally with the game growing. And then you know the World Cup. The World Cup's coming to the United States, and you know it's gonna be or well, North America, right? And it's gonna be it's gonna be cool. It's it's gonna be cool to see that kind of atmosphere. But yeah, man, it, it, sport diplomacy is a it's a it is a very niche thing, and it's new. And countries are starting to realize that you know, sports can be a great way to kind of tackle challenging issues. I like to tell people that there's really only two things to get people to the table and that's food and sports, right? Like that's, that's, <laughs> that's really all you got. You know, you're not going to sit down at a table and hash out like, you know, trade imbalances, right? Like just, you know, it's, it's hard, right? So yeah, I don't know. There's a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> no, the 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 docu series that you mentioned though, like that sounds incredible, and I think that because there's, there's a few things like it, but they focus on one sport, and I think to do like a series where you go to these different places over like a very short period and spend the time with them, what have you, would be incredible. But like one sport, I would say I would love to see on it free diving because it does not get en- it does not get enough coverage, and it's one of the greatest sports of all time hands down dude i i was actually we kind of made like a preliminary list of like you know 10 to 15 just kind of ideas and free diving was on there just because it's so insane like these dudes just jumping into the ocean out of their canoe and following that rope all the way down as far as i can go that's terrifying i mean that's literally 
that is literally the concept of like into the abyss. Like that's, but that's cool. Like that's a unique story to tell um, with the athletes that, that do it. And yeah, man, that's, that would be, that would be insane. Or even that, have you ever heard of, I think it's called like Cal Calcio story in Italy where it's like capture the flag and rugby put together, but they literally fist fight each other. It's if you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen it, just, when you get off of this, go on YouTube and it, it, I think just type in like Italian fist fighting sport. And it's insane. They literally, it's like 15 on 15 or 20 on 20. I'm sorry if I'm getting this wrong to your listeners, uh, but they literally they compete in like a pit, like a giant rectangular pitch that's just dirt. And then the, it looks like an arena and they say go and they literally just run at each other and it's, and it's no holds bar. It's literally whatever you can do, fist fighting, kicking MMA. And the goal is to get the other flag and bring it over to your side. It's insane. <laughs> There's people just like knocked out. I, I don't know. That would, that would be a hard one to do, but it would yeah. be, uh, it'd be interesting to go see it. There's, I think it's in Scotland. There's a, a version of football which happens once a year. I can't remember when, but basically there's two towns and there's a goal in either town and there's like, there's no limit to how many players are on each team. But the ball gets, <laughs> the ball, it's not like football. It's like you can't basically carry the ball and you want to get it to the goal. And, but you can have like fake balls in play. So like, say you go to pass the ball to someone, you hide the ball and then everyone's then following this guy and you're basically trying to make up ground and the game happens over an entire day. I, I need to figure out the name of it because it's been going <laughs> on for years and it's, it's an insane yeah, got, game. You've got to send that. Yeah, you got to send that to me. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. See, there's, like, there's so many unique sports out there that they get played, you know, kind of within their cultural niches that a lot of people don't, they don't, uh, they, they don't know about. And I think... The one thing I think Netflix is doing now is they're kind of diving into this like sports docu-series kind of like, uh, I would say like genre. Um, I know like the drive, the Formula One drive to survive. Like that's, that's insane because in the United States, we don't understand like how big of a superstar Lewis Hamilton is, right? We don't, we don't, we can't, we don't understand because it's a, it's such a European sport, right? Like there's some, there's some people here that are like, they're super big formula one fans but for the mass majority of americans they're just kind of like ah we got nascar right like and even that small but you know formula one is that's like that's the gentleman's racing sport like that's legit and um there's a lot of money in it and then they just released a nascar netflix docuseries that's really good about kind of the and if you if you want to kind of dive into like the the redneck history of nascar in the united states it's it's uh you, you'll definitely see some very americana themes that's for sure yeah no there's some really good ones that have come out recently i'll have to give that a watch but like if you like the captains of the world documentary that came out about the world cup that's insane that's like because it's no I, no one knew it was happening at the time and then we now get to watch everything happen as it happens but the captains so like Lionel messi ronaldo harry kane um, Mbappe, like Lloris, Hugo Lloris, like all these players sitting down and talking through each part of the tournament as it's happening. And I'm like, I watched it. So I watched it on the flight home yesterday. I was like, this is crazy. Like just, we Isn't never get awesome? to see Messi just chat like that. Yeah, it's so good. Right. Right. And I think that kind of goes back into that content creation thing of, you know, podcasts, 
docuseries like that, something that brings kind of an authenticity to you kind of humanize the athletes or the managers or the people involved with the team where that a regular news article or a news interview just can't do. And I think that's like the, and I mean, I really see that in the podcasting world of like, you know, long form conversation, uh, content, right. It's, it's a, it's a better way to discuss things and kind of hash out ideas or show the human nature of what's going on instead of just like getting on the BBC or, you know, Fox news here in the United States and just listening to a, like a two minute bit and they're just pushing whatever they can push. Right. Like it's, it's not real. Right. Um, yeah, man, it's, they got a lot of good stuff. We're trying to, it would be cool to do a bobsled one about like a doc, a doggy series, kind of like drive to survive, but about bobsled. I think that would be really unique. But the, the hard thing with that is, is like, there's just not a lot of money in it and there's not a lot of, it, it would just kind of be logistically a little bit harder, but it could be done, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Well, like since I interviewed you, I think you were the first sort of within that realm who I interviewed, but then I've interviewed Manny Mitchell, John Stanbridge. I then interviewed uh, Matt Weston, who's skeleton athlete. Mm-hmm. And I like, I'm, watch it like i'm watching along as it's happening now because i'm like i'm invested like because i've got to know these guys i'm like i need to see what's going on as it happens kind of thing and it the thing is people don't realize how good of a sport it actually is because they sort of just see oh it's just sliding you know sliding down a track but it's everything that goes into it and i think that's it's like with the f1 everyone just saw it as driving around the track then drive to survive came out and they're like oh no it's everything behind the scenes it's the money it's like the the driver issues it's you know like the all the controversies that are happening as it happens the you know the team changes obviously you don't get that in bobsled but like the team changes and that and there's so much that goes mm-hmm. on behind the scenes that we just don't get to see as the general public and i think sports like skeleton and bobsled do absolutely need because that's what's going to bring in more people and more funding then i think right yeah it's just telling telling the story in in a very humane kind of authentic way that it's like these are the athletes that are, are going 90 miles an hour down the down the track and john john's a good friend of mine uh i love that dude he's had incredible success this season i'm really happy for him and his his crew um i've been joking around i need to come visit i need to come visit him in, in the uk um yeah and yeah and, and kick it but yeah, it's fun, man. It's just, it's, it's, uh, and, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but like whenever you watch Bob Sutt on TV, the camera, it pans almost at the speed of the sled, right? Just like Formula One. So it's, you don't really kind of get the, the concept of how fast they're going. But when you're standing next to the track and you see a sled go by at 90 miles an hour and you're like, <laughs> you know, like there's some days when like if I'm not sliding one day, you know, if you're sliding, or competing a day and you're going through it and you're, you just do your job. Like that's what you focus on. You focus on pushing or driving the sled, getting in, make sure everything's set up. Like that's what you're focused on. You're really not focused that much on like, I can't believe I'm doing this, but when days that you're not sliding and you're, you're just kind of like helping move sleds. Cause you don't slide every day, right? You kind of take turns with your teammates and you're kind of at the track. And there's been a couple times where I'm like, I can't believe I do this. <laughs> <laughs> This is so, it's so insane. Um, but it's a blessing. And, and it kind of goes back to that, that idea of like, you know, 
you know, following those peaks and those different mountains that you climb at different aspects of your life and knowing that the sport, it's so unique, it's so niche, it's arguably pretty dangerous, right, depending on who you ask. But it's like you only get so much time to do it, right? It's a very finite amount of time that your body can handle it. And so it's like appreciating it and loving it while you're doing it and all through the sucky bits all the way to the, the best bits. So, yeah, man, it's fun. <laughs> Yeah. So in terms of the content creation then, are you are you looking at that from a behind the the like behind the scenes perspective or are you looking at it as like a front end you do so you're like the presenter of it if that makes sense or are you just looking to get the behind the scenes and get that out there if that makes sense? Yeah, I would think I I think a little bit of both. I think behind the scenes would be the most important. So like picking, you know, a group of athletes and just going through it with them, right? Go through summer training, go through preseason, go through the season, because the season is long. And kind of the the attrition rate uh, of the season, people getting hurt and then getting moved around, the game of sleds, right? And and just kind of telling those stories as, as you travel around, you know, Europe sliding and in and, and, and North America. But it, I think it would be super unique. Um, I haven't really figured out what that would look like yet, though. Like how to best tell those stories. Like would they, some things need to be scripted, like in terms of like conversations or events, obviously you'd want to film and, and produce content around specific events, but then other times just, you know, letting it go, like let it, let's just see what happens. Right. So I don't know. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a project I, I'd like to take on and, and start doing more. And then even in my own, you know, personal content, sharing more of, you know, what I do, I kind of got challenged with that at the end of last year of like, you know, you do a unique sport, like you should tell more about it and, and don't be ashamed about it. And so I think with content creation, like, you know, you kind of go through that phase of like, you know, who am I to, you know, share my story? Like, what have I done? And in reality, it's, it's having the opposite thought of like, you, you don't need social proof, like you don't need someone's permission, like people, people want to see interesting stories, and they want to hear real people doing real things and so that's what i've kind of shared with people and what i'm starting to do with you know my own social media going forward yeah because you've put out a few rehab videos and stuff and i think like because i've done a few myself because over the course like i never had i never put it out at the time but i did film a few things throughout the rehab process and i actually don't think it's more for anyone i don't like for me I used to think it's about like what other people would want to see. And I would think, uh, you know, who actually wants to see this stuff? Like who's actually interested in me? But I, for me now, it's more about I'm creating a memory bank of what I've right. done and what I've been through and like the trips I've been on. And, you know, like, so like with my injury, just looking at the videos of when I couldn't, I couldn't fully flex my knee to then now run in and jump in and do it like heavy weighted exercise it's actually quite refreshing for me to go, fuck, I've come a long way. Rather than what anyone else right. sees. Like it may be it may be interesting to others, but it's for me to go, this I've done I've done I've done all right here. Like it's not it's not as bad as what I thought it might be. Yeah, hundred percent. Like using it as a as a way to it's it almost essentially like your own personal diary, right? Of like your milestones and where you've been in life and and where you want to go, right? And I think about too like people that you might not know that are where you were 
maybe two or three years ago, right? And someone that says like, man, I, I might be needing to have that same surgery on my knee, you know, but I'm kind of hesitant because I don't know what it looks like, right, post. And for me, when I was, when I learned I had to have hip surgery, man, I reached out to as many people that had had this surgery that I could. Some of my teammates had had it and that helped a lot. And just like talking with them on, on their experiences and what I could expect, like that helped me a lot kind of prepare for what was going to come next. And I think sharing that, those milestones on social media, it's like, you know, somebody, I actually, it's funny because right after surgery, like I was on the way home and a girl reached out to me on Instagram who's in the military. And she was like, I, I like, how did you know you needed surgery? And, and cause she's like, I have something similar walked her through everything. And she's like, okay, I mean, I helped, I shared some of my rehab plan with her and, you know, she went through the same thing. And I, you know, me being able to ha just sharing my journey, I, I like to think I was able to help her a little bit in hers. And, and that goes beyond just like, you know, surgery and rehab, right? Like, but with anything, like if anybody's like thinking about wanting to do bobsled or do unique sport or go move overseas or teach English or get into sport diplomacy or whatever it might be, just being essentially like a conduit of like, you know, like there's somebody out there doing it. Like I, I want to get into that. And I'm always, I, I, I promise myself to be really receptive to people on social media. So anybody that reaches out, I always, I always message them back if they have questions or, or want to know anything. It's, it's part of, I think of social media of, I, I heard it put this way. It was the best way I've ever heard it. A lot of people have like an icky feeling about social media because they say like, Oh, it's just very, like narcissistic, right? Like you're just kind of promoting yourself. But in reality, think of social media as like the old like public forum in, you know, ancient Greece or ancient Rome, right? People would show up in the forum and they would just talk and debate ideas, right? On social media, it's essentially a virtual forum, right? Like you're putting out content and your ideas and your thoughts, opinions, what you're passionate about. And it allows you to engage with other like-minded people or people that want to, you know, essentially argue with you, right? Like in some, in some places. And so it's, it's better to be engaged, I think, and share, you know, your own things instead of just kind of taking a seat on the sidelines, right? And, and like you said, like you're telling your story and you're documenting it. So I, I think if you use content creation and social media in a very, in a responsible way and you go at it with that aspect of like, genuine authenticity i mean it works out just to interject into the podcast this amazing conversation with elliot markson um if you've got this far you clearly like the podcast enough so i would really appreciate it if you could share it with someone if you could like the episode if it's on youtube if you could rate the podcast on spotify or apple and also subscribe because that helps me reach broader audiences, which means that I can keep getting more and more guests on and more and more amazing stories to be told. So I would really appreciate that. So enjoy the rest of this episode with Elliot. It does. And I think like a way I would like to, I like to describe it is, you know, you can journal and I do journal. Like I do write things down. I always do because I find looking back on that is great, but also to see it in a, in a video format, there's just something different like i've i scroll back through stuff all the time and i'm like it's crazy what like just things like what i used to look like how i used to speak the you know i listened to our podcast that we did uh yesterday i listened to it yesterday the one that we did previous 
and just mm. certain certain ways that I've changed in the way I speak and the way that I present myself. There's a, there's little things at the time, or maybe the week after, or the week after, you don't notice. And then now I'm like, Jesus Christ, it is very different now <laughs> compared to what it was then. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the the, the art of self reflection and and appreciating your journey. And I think the big idea of like with anything it's it's the idea of like you know you could fixate on the on the end goal right the the destination but in reality it's really just loving the journey and then no matter what the destination ends up being you could say i grew from that journey i became my who i am today because of the journey not because of the final destination and i uh there's a book actually it's it's a really short book it's called the alchemist and essentially that's the whole theme of the book about this young shepherd boy that is chasing his personal treasure, his or personal legend, right? And he's so fixated on the end result, which is this hidden treasure. But at the end, after years of being on this journey, what he comes to find out is the, the real treasure at the end was his journey, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's applicable to all of us, right? And what we're doing in our lives. And um, I love that thought, right? I, it's, 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 it's a really powerful idea because once you kind of can digest that and take a step back then all the adversity all the hardship all the shitty parts of your journey you can say like you can you can appreciate them because you'll know that like without them i won't be able to become the man i'm supposed to become right and yeah if you haven't read that book i definitely recommend it it's it's a short read it's not long yeah i'll add it to my list on so on that looking at the perspective of the journey itself and you know like is your your season's pretty much over now with the you know the time of the rehab and stuff yeah so looking at that journey and the start of next season how how are you approaching that now what's the what's your thought process going into next year's season and obviously having the rest of this year to really rebuild and get to that sort of best self best performance level Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever been so excited for an off season. Um, I can already tell a difference in my body. Um, th- that nagging pain is just gone. I, I feel like I'll be able to really adapt and train my body like it it's, it hasn't in a long time. Um, and yeah, my season's over. I'm actually going to New York in a couple weeks to to go up to the training center to um, do some do kind of like jump into the hard part of the rehab where we start moving little bit more do more complex things um but yeah just having that idea of like I, I finally feel like I've aligned a lot of things in my life whereas the last time we talked I was still just kind of on the fence with some things that I was doing and didn't really understand like I had bobsled over here I had a career that didn't really line up like way on the other side then I had all these thoughts and aspirations and dreams and all I thought was like I want to live I want to have an interesting life I want to do cool shit like that's it's, it's kind of a highlight in my frame of thinking is like, just do cool shit. And I think that going into this next year, working in international sports as my career, and then being able to train properly now that I'm healing, right? I I, I think I'm going to become a more well-rounded athlete, um, less burnout, less just kind of mental fatigue with, you know, kind of the day-to-day of what we're, what we do while we're training. So I, I, to answer your question, I'm really excited. Um, 
in this time, kind of in rehab alone, I feel like bubble boy right in my apartment. <laughs> but it's it's uh, it's good. I, I think I think isolation sometimes is needed, right? To essentially pull the reins back on yourself. Say like it's okay to be alone. It's okay to, to while your teammates and your friends are out, you know, doing amazing things and competing and traveling the world. It's okay to sit and be still and kind of self reflect on where you're at and where you want to go. Right. I think it's healthy. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. When I went through my surgery, it was, it was probably, I will say the part post surgery was probably the toughest time of my life in terms of like, there was a lot going on. Like I did, like you, I didn't necessarily want to do the career that I was doing, but I didn't know how to get out of it because I thought I'd be letting people down. If I did leave it, I didn't want to like, because leaving the career meant that I would probably have to leave Australia and I wasn't sure whether I wanted to leave or not. And like just, I had a complication post-surgery as well, which meant that I just couldn't walk at all. And it was just a nightmare. And it was that self-reflection, that time of self-reflection. It was the hardest time I've ever had in my life. But having, looking back on it, I absolutely needed it because I needed to go to the very, very bottom to be able to get to where I am now, where like I, you know, because I, I get asked by people like, how do you manage to do your podcast as well as work and do like everything else that did? I'm like, because you just, you find the time for the things that you love. I love my job. I love the podcast. I love running. I love rock climbing. I love like, there's so many things. And I'm like, people would say, do you not get burnt out? But it's like, no, because when you love things that much, it's like, it's not hard. It's not work. It's, it's just like pure passion towards something. Right. Right. hundred percent. And like having that idea, I, I mentally trained myself going into surgery and knowing that like, you know, January, February, March, they're going to be some of the hardest months I'm going to have. But that doesn't mean that defines my year, right? Like I, I, I essentially, I got to the point where I was ready to embrace the suck of rehab and being alone and, and just, you know, while my friends are gone and, and just being totally honest and candid with myself where I was, you know, with my life. And because of that self-reflection, I feel like I've, I've come, I almost, almost don't want it to end. Right. It's crazy to think. And it's like, have I grown? I actually was thinking about this last night. I, I was like, have I grown all I needed to during this time of isolation and recovery? And part of me was like, maybe you haven't, maybe you need more, maybe you need to be in that, in that chamber a little bit longer, right? Just to get every ounce of growth out of it. And yeah, I, I don't know. It might sound like a psychopath, but it's good. <laughs> it, it's, it's good to, it's good to reflect, man. And, um, but there were times, there were times I was walking around this apartment, just mad. I was on crutches. I couldn't really walk, couldn't sleep. You know, I was on these pain meds that I just hated taking. And it was just like, and I would just get angry. And then, just realizing like, you know, this is part of that journey that we talked about. It's part of the process, right? Embrace the process. And if you can embrace it, embrace the adversity, the good, the bad with it, you will come out a winner on the, on top. No matter, and, it, and it, you don't even need hardware to, to validate your winner, right? I know that I'll be better as an athlete, as a young man, as a professional in my career and what I'm trying to do with American football in, a long, in the long term than I would be, you know, without having these, these level of isolation, self-reflection. Mm. It's, I, I think 
because we are in a world now where we can't you can't really isolate yourself you know we had covid but you were still surrounded by people and like it's it's only really it's the only time i've really had where i've actually had to isolate myself because there's no one around you don't go to work you're at home everyone else is out and you have all this time to just sit and think and i Mm -hmm. like when i did it it was like i was as i said i was in such a bad headspace when i was there but it allowed me to think about like why am i here why am i feeling this way why you know like the rehab's hard and it's horrible and it's painful and getting up every morning with a swollen <laughs> knee is awful but it was that like still that there was like one percent left of me that was like nah there's there's something there's something here so it was getting up every right. day and just eat even though i didn't want to i just got up sat like you know did my morning rehab and then i would do everything i was told to do in terms of like you know icing and recovery and then i get going again and then get going again go to appointments and they'd be like right you can move to this stage i'm like fucking great i can go i can go on the bike now <laughs> this is fantastic and then like right. it's just the basics it's like oh you can walk unassisted i'm like what no way this is like unreal and then it was <laughs> when was it when did i do my first run the week before i flew back to the uk i've never felt such elation in my life having run for the first time in over six months and it was one minute, one minute run, one minute walk. And I was, I've never had a high like it. Just that thing of like, I've done it. I've done it. I've got it. Right. Finally, I've got it kind of thing. And, you know, for you, it's going to be great to see after you've come out of this sort of period of isolation and this period of rehab, when you then get back onto the sort of the stage and, and onto the track and you do that first run, it's going to like seeing, seeing that. I already know what you're going to be thinking or how you're going to be feeling. And I can't wait to see it for you because you're going to be coming back better, stronger, and overall just a, a better athlete because you'll have put the time in to get there, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like, it's funny you say that because I already laugh like a maniac sometimes when I'm sliding because it's just, it's, it's, just, it's just a way of coping with the stress. But I just know now I'm just going to be – it's just going to be jubilation, right? I'm just going to – like a child – like having fun with it. And I, I've, I think I've changed my perspective a little bit now on the way now, instead of like, you know, just grinding and grinding and I, I need a medal for validation in my sport, right? I need validation through success where now it's more of like, I have this, this, the way I look at it now, it's like, you man, you only have so much time left to do it. Enjoy every run, every practice run, every training day, enjoy it to the utmost ability and enjoy your time with your teammates, right? Because when it's over, we're all going to go our separate ways. And yeah, we'll still be connected, but you're not going to have that same camaraderie together, the training center on the road competing and just all the sucky parts of the sport. I feel like I have a, have a changed mentality of, of how to appreciate them now for what they are, because it's all part of the journey. And one day, you know, 10 years from now, I'm going to look back and, and be like, I can't believe I did that right? But it, it'll be good. Instead, I, 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 I would rather get to that point and, and say, like, I, I did everything that I could, gave it all my effort, and I enjoyed I enjoyed every day of it. Instead of thinking back and saying, man, I wish I would have won that medal. I wish I would have done this. I wish, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like a healthy self-reflection of kind of hmm. how to view your time going forward. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited. And you know, I, um, 
going into the off season and we're act- I'm actually going to be moving in a few months. So I'll, I'll go to New York for rehab uh, for March and then come back to DC and then going on a big trip to, to Asia uh, with my girlfriend. She's never really been, and I've been looking to get back for a long time. Um, Cause you know, part of me, I, I love Asia. I, I think it's so unique and having that trip is going to be a big, like breath of fresh air kind of, disengage from the day-to-day monotony and, and just kind of have a new, I, I use travel as like a form of self-reflection, right? Put yourself in an environment that you don't know, you've never been, and just adapt and learn from the people there. And I, I think that's, uh, there's power in that. You know, you've traveled a lot and people who don't really travel, you tell them that and they're like, yeah, you're just going to a new place. Like, what's the difference, right? It's all the same. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's really not. Like, <laughs> you learn more about yourself than you do anything else. And then after that trip, we're going to go, we're going to, uh, my girlfriend and I will be moving to North Carolina where they opened a new training center for us. And then, yeah, it starts the, uh, starts the off season and got some cool, some cool stuff planned for the off season. I'll be, I'll actually be coming to Ireland in the end of August to, promote an American football game in Dublin. So that's going to be right. just another thing. Man. When, you're, when you're in Ireland, let me know because I'll, I'll fly over. Because, mate, we interviewed twice now. I've got to meet you in person. Got to no, we, in yeah, person. dude, we got to. <laughs> yeah, yeah man, it's, it's, called the Air, it's called the Air Lingus Classic. Of two American football colleges are going to be playing each other, Florida State and Georgia Tech. And it's kind of a kickoff game in this whole – ecosystem of promoting American football overseas. And this is essentially what I want to be doing, you know, with, for the rest of my life. And, um, yeah, the, the director of comms was gracious enough to invite myself and, uh, one of my other friends that played American football over, and we're going to promote the game and be content creators for the game. And yeah, man, I would love to have you out. That would be, that'd be fun, man. I'm excited. It's actually my first time to go to, to Europe. I've never been to Europe. I've been to Asia. I lived in Asia, but I've never been to Europe. Mate, you, oh my God, I can't I know, I know. I, I, <laughs> I get it oh all the time, God. dude, I know. There's so much, oh, so much to show you, honestly. <laughs> how long are you, how long are you there for? Just for the, for the, like the week? Uh, yeah, it'll, yeah, like four or five days, I think. Okay. It's kind of the plan going forward. And then hopefully some other, hopefully some other opportunities um, in the UK, actually working with the, uh, the NFL and their, their international pathway program. Um, the NFL academies in Loughborough. Um, so I have some connections there and, and possibly coming out to do a couple things with them. And yeah, just seeing where that journey takes me. Um, I'm excited, man. Like, I, I don't know. I like, I lived in China as far away and as opposite of the Western world as you can get, but I've never been to Europe. <laughs> oh mate, you've got so much to see and so much to do. Like it's like, I've, so my trip to Albania, I managed to hit like, I think I'm what, use that app Bean. The, the one that's tracked yeah, where yeah. you've been. In, yeah. So I hit 45% of Europe on that and I'm like, it's bugging me because I'm like, I need to hit 50. But yeah. I was looking, sort of looking at back at where I'd been and stuff. There's no, there's no two places the same. That's what's the beauty of it. Like even from Ireland right. to England, England to Wales, Wales to Scotland, they're so different in terms of the culture, the way the people are, you know, how the, I'd say the only thing is that they're all, everyone's just so welcoming in a way. And it's just mm. yeah, the, you'll you'll go to different parts of Europe and you'll see, you'll see it for yourself. But everyone is always so welcoming. But the cultures are so so different throughout. 
Right. Right. That's yeah. That's what I'm excited, man. And especially the UK. I don't know why I I have this like affinity towards the UK. I think it's because I have a lot of friends in the UK from different parts. Some of my best friends in China were from Liverpool and Manchester, and I would always just get them riled up just just because I'm the I'm the Yank that doesn't know anything about you know <laughs> UK culture, right? But I think it's funny to have a laugh. But yeah, man, I, I'm excited, and yeah, dude, come out. That would be that would be freaking sick. Yeah, we'll absolutely get it sorted. Definitely will. But so, looking at obviously towards next season, what's what's the goal for next season then for you? I think for next season, the goal is to I want to go compete on the European circuit next season. Um, for the whole season, right? Stay healthy, compete through the whole season and, and podium, right? You know, I, I know I was just talking about like, you know, medals don't define, you know, your success as an athlete. But for me, like it's part of that journey, right? Like I want to I wanna develop and I want to be a better teammate, better athlete, a better representative of my country in this sport. And I want to compete against some of the best the world has to offer. That's, uh, it's kind of like your rite of passage, Right. And learn from him, right? Like, I, I know I talked about John earlier and, and seeing him and his crew's success on the World Cup this year, man. Like, they, they've been they've been killing it. And I, I'm his biggest advocate in America, probably. <laughs> I, uh, I'm always supporting him. Um, but, yeah, man, it's, that's, that's kind of the goal. Um, and just kind of see, see where the chips fall. But just 1% every day. That's kind of my goal, man. Like, I want to be a 1% better – athlete, man, friend, teammate, boyfriend. I, I want to be 1% better every day and I'm only competing against myself. And I think having that mindset now, I, I can have peace and solace with, with continuing with, in, in bobsled and then everything else in my life. Um, yeah. Cause you don't need to, you're not trying to, I'm not out here. You don't want to just say like, I'm going to reinvent the wheel today. Right? No, it's like, block by block you know the pyramid it ain't gonna build itself like it ain't gonna be done in one day just show up in, in america we have this 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 uh it's kind of like a colloquial phrase and it means just chop wood meaning show up every day do the work do the hard work get one percent better every day and then over time right just gonna keep stacking and you're just gonna keep going up mm. yeah and it, this is the thing is especially in today's day and age where we have social media so easily accessible and we have Netflix and Amazon Prime and Disney Plus and all this, it's so easy to get in and just stop and not do anything. And I'm not talking about the people where, you know, they've got kids and what have you. It's a very different scenario. I'm talking about the people where, the say, our age, no kids, no real ties, like, and they come home and they just sit and they watch Netflix. That's fine if it's not every night. My thing is, is like, like I finish work at four o'clock, I go for a half an hour walk and then I start on the podcast stuff because it's like, it's that getting the 1% better and just staying accountable to me to know that like I am, I'm putting that work in and that's the thing. And like you said before, you know, where you're not, you're not looking necessarily to at the end of your career, look back and go, I won all these medals, but like I gave my all for me. It's not about like the views and stuff like that. It's about having these, these kind of conversations where it's really just candid and just upfront, no bullshit have these conversations and then just put out the best content that I can put out. And I don't care if it gets 10 views. I don't care if it gets 5 million views. It's the, it's just about, for me, I can look back and go, I've had all these conversations with fucking incredible people and only I've mm. had those conversations with them. No one else has. And that's what, 
that's what it is right. for me now. Yeah, man. And, and that's the, that's the idea to have like the, the right mindset to have with everything you do in life. It's like, like what, you know, I, I have a, and you could do this with anything. I, I specifically kind of adapted this thought experiment to bobsled, right. To elite athletics, but you could do it with anything. And the, the thought goes like this. Why do you do what you do? Right. And specifically like, I'll just use this example with bobsled. Why do you do what you do? And don't tell me it's because you want to be an Olympian, right? I can go out on that street right now and pick up any Joe Schmo and say, do you want to be an Olympian today? I would, 99% of the people would say, yeah, man, I'd love to be an Olympian, right? So that, to me, it's, it's kind of like the kindergarten answer, right? That's the first, that's, that's like the, the, the child answer of like, yeah, I want to be an Olympian. Of course, like if you didn't want to be an Olympian or you didn't want to achieve high success, you wouldn't do half the shit that you do to like put your, you're not going to subject yourself to hardships just, just because you don't want to do it. So I ask you again, why do you do what you do? Right. For me, why? And I've thought about this a lot. Why do I do Bob's? Why do I commit so much of my resource, my time, you know, my time away from my family, my dog, just everything. Like my friends, I've missed so many weddings, right? Like, because of my dedication to the sport. And I do it because, yes, I do want to be an Olympian. At the end of the day, yes. Like, I wouldn't do what I'm doing if I didn't have that dream. But why I really do it, I love being a part of a team that's bigger than myself. I love representing my country on the international stage. And I love challenging myself. And those three things are the cornerstone of my why. And when you know your why, when you're doing anything, podcasting, starting your business, creating content, traveling the world, if you know your why, you can embrace any how, any suck, any shitty part, anything. You can embrace it and you can say it's part of your journey and just keep it moving, right? And it's, and literally you could take that thought experiment and plug it into anything you're doing in your life and and, and it's good to and you and sometimes you'll surprise yourself of like why am i doing what i do right why am i building a podcast and like you said right like it, it, it's you enjoy it like it, it is something for you to archive and have these conversations with people that nobody else gets to and th they probably never will right so it's yeah, I, I love using that experiment. I, some of my friends, like, they get sick of me saying it, but it's a good way to understand, like, where you're at, why you do what you do, because it'll help learn more about yourself. And then when you go forward and you start doing more things in your life, you can apply that same kind of thought train to it, and you, you, you'll be able to, I, I would think, make better kind of decisions, right? Because if you say, like, I, I don't really know why I'm doing this, well, then... You don't need to do it because then you're wasting time, right? Like time is the most valuable resource that we have. Mm. Have you have you heard of Jesse Itzler? I'm not. So he he's basically he's done all sorts. So he started out as a rapper, like I think in the '90s, but then he's become more like a, an ultra athlete almost. So he's run several ultras, cycled across America. He's like he, he basically wrote a book where basically he was trained by David Goggins for like, I think it was a mm. month and I'll, I'll have to get the name of the book because you'll probably quite like it. It's really, it's really good because he, he goes in it as like 
he's well trained, but it's the mental resilience he doesn't quite have, and he learns about the obviously the process of it through training with David Goggins, um, and he talks about doing one hard thing a year. Like you always like mm. basically you do a what you do one hard thing a year because it's something to work towards. It gives you a why, because it's that thing of if you don't have a why, then what's the point? It, like if right. you have one hard thing a year, it's that challenge to yourself to prove to yourself like I can do it. Like I can set myself this goal. I can work towards it and do it. And so the point of this is, is for like obviously the minute you're going through your rehab and stuff, what's your one hard thing this year? that you're going to be doing. It doesn't have to be physical. It can be it can be mental. It can be like, you know, whether something when you're traveling, like what is it for you? Yeah, for me, I, I, I want to, it, it sounds kind of crazy, but it, it, to me, it's not crazy. What I want to do is I want to take a backpack with bare minimal things. And I want to take a one, I want to take a trip by myself and go somewhere probably either Africa or Asia and survive for a week or two and go somewhere that I'm not familiar with and, and essentially treat it like a pilgrimage and, and survive. And I had that same kind of mentality when I went to China the first time, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but I remember that feeling of nine months in and I was thriving and I was like, man, like it, it's almost like do that hard thing. And it, it almost becomes a sense of it's like a high because like you said, you start chasing that of like, how can I push myself a little bit further? Right. And creativity and what I'm passionate about in athletics. Right. Like how, how do I just keep pushing that envelope and get that? And when you keep doing those hard things. You're just getting exponentially better each time. Like you're just growing. It's that it's the difference in like the growth mindset and the kind of the the stagnant mindset of like oh, I'm just gonna kind of do my day to day and just kind of see where it goes. Right? No, it's like you gotta attack, man. Like you gotta like you said, you gotta find that one hard thing and, and label it, set it, set the goal for it, and just go do it. Like like people that go, like people that go climb like Kilimanjaro or Everest, right? Like that that's the goal, right? Like you're not just going to do that just because you like I mean some people think it's fun. And that's only, the only reason they do it. But a lot of people do it because it's like I'm going to push myself. And that's awesome. And I like I implore people to find that thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, cuz I I bring it up because I flew to Belfast on New Year's Day basically a guy who interviewed who just he just ran a marathon in Antarctica, Alex Cleary, his name is. And he was in Belfast at the time. I was like, mate, I'm flying over. Need to interview you. So I did. And we were talking about that one hard thing a year. And he, we basically, we were messaging and he was like, what's your one hard thing a year? I was like, I'd quite like to run an ultra by the end of the year. And because I've wanted to run like an ultra marathon for like years, but because of my knee, it just was never possible. And he was like, right, so I'm, I'm going out to Melbourne um in october and he lives out there and he so he was like right what what we signing up for i was like shit (laughs) like and he so basically (laughs) there was nothing that aligned so i was like right well let's just run geelong to melbourne it's like it's about 60 i think 64 65 miles and i've just like i'm like like, yeah just because he's like He's run that before and he's like, but he was the one who was like, so what is it? And I was like, I've wanted to run one. And he was like, well, let's do it then. I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so like like for me, 
now like that's what i want to start asking people a bit more of is like what is your one hard thing a year because like now i've set myself right. one and i've put it out there into the universe i'm like i need to get asking other people like it doesn't even have to be like you know you have to be running hundreds of miles or like it like it can be literally like going by yourself into the middle of nowhere and just surviving just figure it like spent being in your own head and thinking i i can do this that's what it's about it's not about like the distance you run or like the weight you lift or something like that it doesn't have to involve a medal it can literally just be you know getting yourself to run five kilometers ten kilometers because you've never done it before that's a fucking hard thing for someone right. who's never done it like go and do it right that's the you know I lo- that's right. what i love about it my uh my favorite uh, i read a lot of stoicism um marcus aurelius meditations i've probably read it three times now and then ryan holiday's an author he's kind of like the modern stoic he's written a lot of books and ryan holiday wrote a book called the obstacle is the way and essentially it's the whole premise of meditations where it's amazing man that that, the idea that what what stands in the way becomes the way right the obstacle in front of you becomes the thing that you do and the thing that you attack. And it's like, it's the one, it's the same principle, that one hard thing. And, you know, I, it's not this year, but I do have one that's pretty crazy. And everyone that I've talked to was like, you're insane. But I want to, essentially, I want to go with a group of biologists, marine biologists, and I want to get in the open water with a great white shark, right? open nothing around me and the shark not in a cage and i want to feel that level of pure fear right like there ain't nothing else on god's green earth that can maim you like this thing it's literally a prehistoric killing machine like specifically designed to be the apex predator and an apex apex predator i want to get in the open ocean with it and I want to experience that, right? Mm. And there's people that do it all the time, right? Like there's there's marine biologists that someone might listen to this and be like, oh, I did that a month ago, right? But I want to experience that. Like I want to see, I want to feel the fear and overcome it and have that like get out of the water and be like, that was hard, man. But I did it. Mm. Like that. Like that's, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. I know it's crazy. Yeah, but, Christ. I think, yeah. <laughs> I probably would absolutely shit my pants. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> Dude I just want to, have you seen, have you seen the movie Jaws? Whenever the guy, the old boat captain's like the, the, uh, he, he's got big black eyes, like doll's eyes. Like I just keep thinking about that, man. Like thinking about being suspended in the open water, 20 foot great white shark. And you're just looking into its eyes, that, man, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, talk. That is- I'm crazy. <laughs> nah, I love it. It's, 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 this is the thing, though. It's what keeps us going. It's the things that, like, and it, again, it's that thing of, like, for you, it's that, and to some people, that is mental. But then to others, <laughs> that's like a walk in the park. Like, what? Like, you know what I mean? It's like for me, yeah, running hundred <laughs> kilometers, running hundred kilometers. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, this is going to be hard. But then there's people like um, Sally McRae who goes and runs like mm. 250 mile ultras in the, in the Moab desert, like, you know, and goes and does it well and wins it. And it's like, there's people, there's always going to be someone who's like above what you, what you want to do. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter right. because they were once at that point. 
So it's kind of, you've just got to get your own way there and make your own right. path in a, in a sense. Again, like the obstacle is the way. That obstacle, the obstacle there is the one in the way. So you've got to deal with that. It's not about what right. is past it. It's that one thing there now in, in the present moment. Right, 100%. And, and do, you, do you follow the guy? He's a British guy. I can't think of his name. I follow him on Instagram. But he's been running the length of Africa. Hi, right? He geezer. started in... Russ Cook. Yeah, man, that guy, that guy, I've been following him since last summer. And when he started down in, I think it was Cape Town, and just his his travel through Namibia all the way up to the Congo and just like how, like experiencing his journey. And that kind of goes back to the content creation and sharing your story. But man, like that dude was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to freaking run from the horn of Africa or the tip of Africa all the way up to the top. That's insanity, but it's awesome. Like I can, I can appreciate somebody that's doing that. Like I can connect with somebody like that who I have a hard time connecting with is somebody that, like you said, is just like, I'm just going to watch Netflix every day and just kind of let life pass me by. Mm. It's like, well, why? Right? Like, (laughs) yeah. And this is, this is it. I interviewed um, a guy, a scouser. So he's from Liverpool called Rob Pope. Um, and he was the he's the first and only person to have ever run the the run that Forrest Gump did in the film. So the five times oh, wow. across America, he did that. And like I, I, I'm not even joking. Google him after this. He looks the spit of Forrest Gump, like the beard, the hair, the hat. He was like fully <laughs> fully in character for this thing. But like this guy, basically, he he was a vet in he was a vet in Liverpool. And he just decided that this is what he wanted to go and do. And he, like, he, he's got, got some crazy stories. Like, obviously throughout that process, it was, what was it? It was like 15,000 miles, I think it was, that he ended up running. Um, he, was, he, lived out, he lived out in Australia. He almost, he almost qualified for the Olympics to represent Australia in the marathon. Like, just, he's oh. got, yeah, he's got some crazy stories. Basically, in that one, it's quite funny. He got asked would he swap citizenships. So, like, become an Australian citizen. He was like, absolutely. I would do it. <laughs> and, yeah, he, like, he was one of them. He's just, he's just like, your happy-go-lucky guy. He just was like, I've got more I need to do. So he went and run for over a year across America five times, a lot of which was solo, unsupported, and just... Man, I, I I've driven across America and that that sucks. Like, dude, just <laughs> running it. I don't know if you ever been to the state of New Mexico. Like, there ain't shit. Like, there's nothing <laughs> there, man. <laughs> like, yeah. that's a state where you build mental resilience, right there, dude. Something like that, man. Like, that's whew. that yeah. that yeah, dude. That that's incredible. That is that is literally incredible. But see, it's like people like that are, they're inspiring, right? In their own way. Not that I would go do that because I, I'm not built. I, I'm, I, I'll do other stuff, but I don't think I could do that. But people like that are inspiring because it's like, you know, what can I go do? What, what will I go do when I set my mind to it? This is what I'm, whether it's like starting my own business, earning passive income, right? Like doing all these different things and it's like, you know, if you really put your mind to it and you really start saying like, and, and I always like to say like, um, taking accountability for yourself, right? Like every, everything else in this world 
will be, you know, I'm going to have adversity. I'm going to meet people that are going to challenge me. They're going to be hard to work with, hard to deal with. But all I can control is my attitude and my effort. And when I have that level of accountability to myself, then anything is possible. That it's almost like a form of self-discipline and self-respect in, in a way that's healthy, right? Don't just beat yourself up for no reason, right? But saying like, no, it's on me. It's on me to figure it out. It's on me to you know wake up 20 minutes earlier to get X, Y, and Z done, to, to get to that goal and understanding where you're at. And it's like, it's not up to anybody else, but it's up to me to make my dreams happen and go from there. Yeah, yeah, no, I love it. And I think that like, to be honest, this interview has been a lot, like, I think it's been so much better than the last one because it's like, just, I don't know, it was, this This has been like that, what people need to hear rather than like, what do you do, this and that. And it's been, and I think yeah, this, yeah. This, is, this, this is the way I've wanted to take the podcast for a while is this like, giving people things they can do, which are, you know, they where it's not like you don't look at David Goggins on Instagram and go, I could do that. You go, what the fuck? And it's giving people that like <laughs> stepping stone of like things they can go and do where it's like, you know, mm-hmm. your hard thing doesn't have to be, you know, running Moab 240 on broken knees like David Goggins did. It can literally be doing couch to 5K and your 5K at the end of it. That's your big like one thing. And I like, I've had a few people message me about the like stuff and like, this has been the ones that people have wanted to listen to. Is this like just going a bit introspective about how you've changed, how you've done things, what you've learned, what you've, you know, what you've gone and done, what mistakes you've made, all that sort of stuff. And I think we've absolutely hit the nail on the head with it. But where I want to end, I asked you last time, how would you like to be remembered? And obviously it's been over, it's been nearly a year since we last spoke. So has that answer changed? And if so, how would you like to be remembered? I think in a way it's changed. I think it's still the same where like, I want to be remembered as, you know, I like to think people will never remember your stats. They'll never remember, you know, what your medals, your, you know, all your little gadgets and whatever you got on your wall. But people remember how you made them feel and people remember how you treated them. And I want to be remembered as somebody that was a good friend, a a good teammate, a leader, somebody that, you know, can listen well. Right. And it's in that way, it hasn't changed in the other way. Like I want to be remembered as somebody that said, you know what, like screw it. I'm going to go do, I'm going to go do cool stuff. Like, and I'm going to push myself and I'm going to be, a reflection of self-discipline, right? Of, of that extreme ownership of like, I control my attitude and my effort. That's it. Because of that, you can go accomplish anything you want to in this life. And don't let anybody tell you no, because no is just another opportunity somewhere else. And I think the more that I can kind of share that with others, and, and it's more of an empowering thing. Like, you want, I want to be remembered as someone who empowered others to say, you know what? There's more to life than my nine to five, man. Like, and it could be doing that. Their one hard thing might be doing a, a 20 minute walk every day. Right. And, but that 20 minute walk builds up to something greater. Right. And empowering people to, to take that action. Right. Cause at the end of the day, it's just action. It's all you gotta do is just get out the door. Yeah. Love it, mate. Appreciate you coming on. And I like, I can't wait to see 
what come what's to come next season and you know thereafter in your career because I think there's some massive things ahead of you with what you're doing. Um, but again, just tell everyone where they can find you and you know if they want to get in contact with you, what they can do and stuff like that. Yeah, you can find me on uh, you can find me on Instagram uh, emarky80. Um, that's where I'm kind of right now the most active. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I really stepped up my LinkedIn content creation. Uh, just around sport diplomacy and, and furthering American football overseas. Um, I'm going to pick back up on the TikTok thing, um, which I don't, I don't really know what my user handle will be on that. But on LinkedIn, I'm Elliot Markison. Uh, add me on Facebook. Add me on all socials. Um, I respond to everybody. Um, and I, it's really like being able to, to, to talk and come on a podcast, a vector like yours. And it, it's really about finding a community of people all around the world like yourself that say, you know what, there's more to life out there. Let's just go experience it. Let's just take action and let's just freaking do it, man. And I, I, I can't thank you enough for what you do in your podcast. Like these conversations, th- this, is, this is really how you kind of move that, move that line forward, right? Like you just, you, you just surround yourself with people that kind of think similarly in just different fields, but yeah, man. Thank you again, and and we'll see you in Ireland for sure. You got to come out for that. Absolutely. Yeah, mate. Honestly, really appreciate it, and for sure, Ireland's happening because we need to get that pint of Guinness in Ireland. I'm telling you. Hit. Yeah, dude. Let's go. <laughs> let's let's go. But yeah. Nice one, mate. Appreciate you coming on. What a fantastic episode that was with Elliot. I really appreciate him coming on. Um, can't wait to have him on again in the future, and you know, hopefully in August when he's in Dublin. I can actually do it in person. So that would be fantastic if that was the case. Uh, but yeah, remember, you can find all his links down in the description below. And you can also support the podcast by like, subscribe, sharing, rating the podcast. Please rate the podcast um, and all that good stuff. But I will see you next Monday for another episode at 6 a.m. Greenwick Mean Time.